So today I want to talk about preaching the true gospel. There are so many different gospels that are preached. We talked about this Wednesday night a little bit. Um, Paul was writing to the Galatians and literally was was telling them about the gospel and and just defending it and, and talking about how God had uh, given him the the gospel. Some were given a, to take it to the Gentiles. Some were given to take it to the Jews. But we're all given the gospel to take it and to move forward. And so what I want us to do is turn to Mark chapter one, and we're going to read uh, just a very simple uh, verse. Mark chapter one. And if you have your Bibles, turn there and let's stand together as we read from God's word this morning. We're actually going to just read, I believe it's verse, um, let me get there, I'm coming. I put in there more than there should be, but that's not uncommon for me. I had a little bit of an issue this morning when I made the slides, I don't know what I'm doing on this new pro presenter and... I had to get Josh to come over and fix everything for me, and he looked at me and said, there's no hope, just rebuild your slides, and uh, so we did things in a, in a hurry this morning, but I want us to focus on um, just verse number one, if we can. It simply says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Father, this morning, we thank you for the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. It's not about Jesus. It is Jesus. When we share the gospel, we're not sharing about Jesus. We are sharing Jesus with others. When we talk about the transforming power of the gospel, we're talking about what Jesus Christ has done in our life. Lord God, may we celebrate the gospel. May we share the gospel. May we proclaim the gospel wherever we go. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. A church can love one another. A church can get along. A church can uh, go without quarreling. A church can do all of the things that everybody thinks a church should do. But I'm telling you that if the church doesn't preach the gospel, then they are a failure of a church. And no matter how good we all get in and get along here, none of that matters if we are not preaching the true gospel outside of the walls of this building. The true gospel, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is the responsibility that we have. Now, some of you work with people that you've tried to share the gospel with, and you have found out that that absolutely irritates them to no end. Well, let me tell you why it irritates them. Because they are like others who have hardened their hearts to the truth of the gospel. Believe me, there are people who absolutely, they don't want to hear anything about the gospel. They don't want to hear the one true gospel. They, they, they love, and this is what I'm hit with all the time, well, well what about all the other religions? What makes yours so right? My friend, if you look how all the others died, they died questioning. But when Jesus died, he simply said, I paid it all. Nothing left to be done. And not only that, but you can go find the graves of most of these others, but, well, my Lord and Savior's grave is empty because he rose again. The one true gospel. 
There is one gospel that is of Jesus Christ. It is, it is Jesus Christ. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to share about Jesus. No, no, no. You are sharing Jesus when you share the gospel. Because that's what the gospel is. It is not an opinion. It is not about you and I, what we think. It is taking the word of God and proclaiming it as absolute truth. And that is where a lot of churches have failed today, is that we've begun to change. Well, that's what it meant for back then, but today things have changed. Folks, just because things have changed doesn't make it better. I buried a gentleman yesterday who was in his 80s, and here's what I told the people at the funeral. I told him, I said, you know, it's a shame that we have lost such an amazing generation. We're starting to lose such an amazing generation. People who understood what truth was. People who understood what integrity was. People who understood how to keep their word. People who weren't offended because you said the wrong thing to them, right? We're losing that generation of people that that have have an understanding of what truth is. And we've come to a world today that if it hurts your feelings, well, then you can have your own reality. Folks, here's the reality if you have your own reality. You are headed straight to a sinner's hell. Your reality does not matter when it comes to the gospel. There is no new gospel. There is no new word. Everything that has been given to the church has been given to us in this book right here. And for those of you who say, well, I've got a new word from God. No, you don't. There is no need for a new word from God. All we got to do is obey what's in here and everything else is good. That's why it bothers me when I'm told, well, the church is anti-woman. Because especially the Baptist church, because they don't believe in women pastors. You know why I don't believe in a woman pastor? Because the Bible says that a pastor is the husband of one wife. What does that mean? It means just what it said. It means that a man is to fill that position. It means that a man that God formed first to protect the woman who he gave to him from his side. That's who God said is to be over the church, a man. And if that offends anyone in this room, let me tell you something. It's not me that's offending you. It's the gospel that has offended you. A lot of people get upset over this. But you can't change the Bible just because your particular denomination or your particular group of friends accept it in a different direction. No, no, the word of God is the word of God. What has happened is we have changed it because we don't like what it presents. Folks, it doesn't matter what you like or dislike. The Bible is God's word, period. We interpret some things, but most of what the Scripture says doesn't need interpretation. Most of what the Word says is straightforward. But we like to take it, well, you know, that was back then. Things are different now. We don't wear gowns. Thank God we don't wear gowns, right? (laughs) Seriously, I mean, I get that part, okay? Men running around wearing those long flowing robes. I'm not, I, I couldn't do that. But there are people still, if you go to that part of the country, there are still nations that wear that type of clothing. But I'm thankful that I live in America where I'm not required to wear that. 
That would take two and a half sheets just to cover all this, right? (laughs) Be honest. Let's just be honest about that real quick, okay? Take two and a half sheets. Not twin size either. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take a whole lot to get this all covered up. Just saying. But when it comes to the gospel that I preach and the things that I believe, they're all found in Scripture. So what Scripture declares, I receive. Did y'all hear that? What Scripture declares, I receive. Now, listen to me. Not everything in the Bible pertains to us as Christians. You ever met those preachers that like to preach the Old Testament and that everything in the Old Testament belongs to the church and the New Testament? Do you know why that's not true? Because there are some promises given just to Israel. Do you all know that? There are some things that only Israel can claim, not the church. But you find those preachers, well, if Israel can do it, we can do it. Really? And we got enough promises in the New Testament. We don't need to go back to the Old Testament necessarily to find anything new. We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So the gospel is Jesus. Let's look at what the gospel is. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word. Jesus told us that he was the Word, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So what is this declaring? That Jesus himself was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the what? When was Jesus found? In the beginning, with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. You may tell you where the darkness was found. You ready? It was found amongst the religious. Did you catch that part? Have you ever paid attention to the scripture, how Jesus had compassion on the lost and dying world, but he couldn't stand the religious? You say, that's a harsh statement. No, no, go back and read it. Go back and look at scripture. Jesus had compassion for the woman at the well that we used last week. He had compassion for the woman called in adultery. He had compassion on Zacchaeus who was an IRS agent. Mm, Some of y'all just felt that, didn't you? (laughs) Oh, yeah. When it came to the religious, he called them hypocrites and snakes. They couldn't grasp this truth. Folks, if you want Jesus, you have to understand that when you have seen Christ, you have seen the Father. John 10, 22 through 31 says, At that time of the feast of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple area in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then surrounded him and began saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? (laughs) Let's stop there. Jesus had already let them know who he was. They didn't trust his word. They wanted to see his magic. And that's how they viewed it was magic. Jesus didn't do magic. He did miracles. They kept asking for a show. Give us another show. Prove to us who you are. So 
How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe me because you are not of my sheep. Folks, can I share something with you? There's going to come a point in your life where you realize you are just not going to take a goat and make them a sheep. There are going to be some people in your life you are never going to see come to Christ. There actually is going to come a time in your life where you're going to have to move on to somebody else sharing the gospel. And you may tell you the good news, it ain't your fault. I just said it ain't your fault. That's because I'm from Livingston, Texas. It's not your fault. Is that better? Some of y'all look to me like the guy just said ain't. It isn't our fault because, folks, you and I are not responsible for salvation. We're responsible for preaching the gospel. God's in charge of salvation. Thank the Lord for that, right? Because if it was up to us, one failure after another. I told you you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. These testify me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Thank God for that statement. Don't you dare tell me that I can lose my salvation because it's not my salvation. It is his. It is his. And I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. Now catch this next, this next verse. The Jews picked up stones to stone him. They hated the gospel. Let me tell you why they hated the gospel. Because it wasn't what they were wanting. It wasn't what they were looking for. Remember, all of their religion was work-based. Can't drag a stick on Sunday. That's plowing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being a kid on Sunday in Israel? If there was ever a day you could not like your parents, it would have been on a Sunday. Where's little Garrison at? Garrison in here? Stand up in that chair, G. It's all right. I want him to stand up real quick. No, I want you to. I want. To, I want to talk to the people about us, you and me. Y'all see little man right there? I was him. That was me right there. I get the energy that flows out of that little body, a hundred miles an hour. And I'm telling you, if I'd have lived in Israel, and my parents would have said, "You got to sit down and sit still, and not do anything all day," I'd have gone absolutely crazy. I would have gone crazy. You can't drag a stick. I bet if they'd have had Legos back in the day, they couldn't have played with Legos because you'd been building something. I done got him excited now, Mama. You're in, am I in trouble or are you in trouble? Okay. Sidu boo. Good boy. <laughs> Y'all remember that commercial you know, with the end of that show, right? Yeah, I have to explain that to him later. Here's what I want you to understand. When it's works-based, it's on us. And the Bible says that all of our works are as filthy rags before the Lord. There's nothing we can do to be saved. 
There's nothing we can do. So we recognize the deity of Christ. He is with God, equal with God. The Bible describes him as, as seeing it as no big deal to come down and be a part of us. So the gospel is Jesus. We talk about his deity. The gospel is Jesus. He is our savior. We recognize this early on in the gospels. The, the book of Luke the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Hmm. You know why the Jews didn't like what Jesus had to offer? Because he didn't come sitting on the throne, but he came lying in a manger. And yet those who were willing to receive him were told the good news that not only is this a baby born, but this is the savior of the world. That's the gospel. Jesus, the Savior of the world, is the gospel. This little baby that was lying in a manger who had left the worship of angels and come to the rejection of man was our Savior. And the first to hear about it, I think it's pretty cool, it was the shepherds. Nobody liked the shepherds. Think about it. Think about this. For weeks, if not months, they went without bathing. The smell of a shepherd was obvious within the community. You knew when they were coming. They'd been out in the fields for weeks, if not months, and they had been taking the sheep from here to there and and. and naturally they would begin to smell like the sheep and they would begin to smell like the outdoors and and, and it would have been a natural thing and and nobody wanted to invite the shepherd in as soon as they got back. And yet the Lord goes to the shepherds, the forgotten few. Hmm. Aren't you thankful that Jesus found us? People say, well, when I fail in Jesus, no, no, no. Jesus was already calling you. Folks, without his hand, the providence without his hand working in your life, you would have never found him. So he deserves the glory and the honor. So what did the Savior do? The gospel is propitiation. It is taking what is wrong and doing something to make it right. Only Christ could have done this. Now, in the Old Testament, there were sacrifices that were done. And in the beginning of the New Testament, those sacrifices continued. And by the way, in Israel to this day, there are still sacrifices that are being done because they still refuse to receive who? Jesus, the gospel. 
So you take those Old Testament things that we think of as past, those are still very present in Israel today. Get that, get your mind wrapped around this. Jesus, the perfect son of God, the perfect lamb, had to do what was being done in the Old Testament where they would take an animal and it had to be what kind of animal? Perfect, had no blemish on the animal. He who knew no sin, perfection, Christ. Became sin for us that we might what? Become the righteousness of God. So we have here this picture of, of, of someone doing something that they did in the Old Testament, but instead of it being an animal, a person takes the place, and that person is Jesus. The gospel is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brothers so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brothers. Jesus Christ was in all ways tempted like us, yet what? Without sin. He was made like his brothers. He understood temptation, yet he never succumbed to temptation. So what we have is a perfect high priest who lays himself on the altar. cross. Whose cross was that, by the way? Anybody want to tell me? Anybody know whose cross it was? When you get home, look in the mirror. That's whose cross it was. He took our cross, all of us. He takes our cross. He takes our punishment. You see, most people, after they were flogged and beaten, never made it to the cross. They died before they made it to the cross. But Jesus had to go to the cross. He was beaten so badly that what do we find out? Simon of Cyrene had to carry his cross because Jesus fell underneath the weight of it. And then we find Jesus on the cross, and as he's looking around, he's seeing all of those who are crucifying him, And he looks to heaven and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Folks, that's a powerful, powerful picture of the gospel. We're almost done. The gospel is Jesus, it is a gift. Church, that's good news, isn't it? It's a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith. And I love this. Listen to this next part. This is not of yourselves. We take the eye out of our salvation. Do you understand? We don't get to put I in salvation anywhere. His salvation, his blood, his cross. He took ownership of everything that has to do with us. 
and he took it upon himself and made our cross his cross and bore it all. It is not a result of works so that anyone should boast. It is the gift of God. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? So the gospel then demands a response. It demands a response. Like you you hear the gospel and you're not asking yourself, well, am I a good enough Baptist? Am I good enough Catholic? Am I good enough Church of Christ? Am I good enough Lutheran? Am I good enough Methodist? That, if that's what you're asking yourself this morning, then I can assure you hell is your final destination. The question is not, are you good enough? Because the answer is already given. We don't have to question that. The Bible says it's not of works. Lest any man should boast, but it is the gift of God. Well, uh, Brother Tom, I want you to know that I've been baptized in three different churches. Matter of fact, I've been sprinkled, dunked, and dunked again. I don't care. You care less. And so could Christ. What Christ is saying to you today is do you receive me? the gospel because I am calling out to the brokenhearted. If you're here today and you say, Brother Tom, you don't understand. You don't know the life that I have lived. Listen, there's people in this room who I know their life story. God has saved people from abortion, murder of a child. God has saved them, has forgiven them of that. Others who have been in so many different relationships because they were just simply trying to find the right one and then finally they found Jesus and nothing else mattered. God said forgiven because of the gospel. I've met people in prison when we went to do some prison stuff who were murderers and had found Jesus. And you know what? You know how I knew that they really found Jesus? You ready for this? They weren't using Jesus as an excuse to get out of prison. They knew they were guilty. They knew they had done their time. I mean, they had done their things. They had to do their time. They weren't trying to use Jesus to get out of prison. They had been saved. So what do you have? There are people in this room who have been abused physically, sexually, emotionally, and yet God has rescued them from their pain. What do you have that's so bad that Christ would tell you, nope, you can't respond? You have nothing. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. So if you stood before Christ today, would you hear, well done, thy good and faithful Baptist? No. 
Well done, thy good and faithful church of Christ. What you would hear if you have received the gospel, which is Jesus, you would hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into eternal rest. Father, my prayer is that we will receive the gospel that you are giving us. I I haven't done anything. I don't deserve it. Yet you have given it as a free gift. But the only way I can take it, the only way I can accept it, is by first owning that I need it. And the first step to owning that I need it is to understand that I am a wretched sinner who will never be good enough to attain heaven on my own. And my prayer today, my prayer at this very moment is that for those in this room who keep thinking I'm going to be good enough will recognize right now, right now, they will never be good enough. And then they'll understand that Jesus, if I trust Jesus, I am trusting in the Father. They understand that Jesus paid it all, the propitiation for my sin. He paid it all. And then come to the place that I know that he is my Savior. And I respond simply in faith saying, I receive what the work of Christ has been done for me. I received that. And the Bible says that we are born anew. Father, thank you. Thank you for new life in Christ. We pray in the name of the gospel, in Jesus' name, amen.